0: the truth news network masks haven't worked lockdowns haven't worked injections haven't worked so what's the solution calling for more masks more lockdowns more injections it's time to stop the insanity it's time to see the truth for what it is and that's what we do at tnn the truth news network with your guide through the maids Dan Newman. Once again, I must I must impress upon you folks this thing, this cancel culture elitist thing of there's my truth, and then there's your truth is unfathomable and it's impossible to conflate those three things: my truth, your truth, and the truth. Folks, if you don't learn anything else from this show, then this. You've won whatever you're trying to win. Truth lives in a vacuum. It doesn't share a bunch of other little half-white lies, half-truths, my truth, your truth. Truth is absolute, period. That's all there is to it. And yeah, we spend a lot of time talking about that, but we need to reemphasize again and again and again to all of you that we're hearing so many more things today than we heard two, three four years ago that we can't rely on, that are presented to us as being factual, based on evidence, only to find out later none of it's true. Just moments before we went on the air, I happened to look at the headline of a story that popped up this morning. A a United States member of the House of Representatives, who's a Republican, by the way, he went after Donald Trump this morning. And what he went after Donald Trump is about, what Trump said about the 2020 election, that it was stolen. And I didn't even catch which representative this was, didn't get, catch the name there, are 435 of them. I said, Senator, I meant representative, 435 of them. So it's kind of hard to keep up with all of them. But he came out dead set against Donald Trump and said the election was fair. Now, I will tell you this, that makes a whole lot of people hearing somebody in the Congress, it doesn't matter what party you're related to, but somebody to say, just with a wide brush, saying, that election was fair. Folks, let me ask you this. It's been proven again and again and again. There are 600 lawsuits, not against the election results, but against fraud in that election. 600 pending around the nation, 600, and this is not from the Trump administration or the Trump campaign. This is from various entities, most of them state departments of justice that have found and ferreted out voter fraud in the 2020 election. So put that in the context of what that representative said. That election was fair. Well, would somebody redefine the word fair for me, especially in the context of an election? Maybe, maybe overall, there wasn't enough cheating in the election to change the uh, the results. We don't know that, and anybody says that we know that is just downright lying. We do not know that. There is no way that elections that are run in 50 states, that we, anybody, I don't care if it's somebody in Congress that is the king of everything to do with elections. There's nobody that can say that election absolutely positively was 100% fair. Now, I'm not talking about just this election. I'm just pointing something out there. Just because somebody says something is right, it absolutely doesn't mean that what they say is right is right. And the the opposite is tr- just as true. Just because somebody says something is wrong doesn't necessarily make it wrong. There are facts about everything, and it's our responsibility to go find it. And if we're not the ones that have the resources or the opportunity to find those things, we must rely on those who do to give us the facts, only the facts, and to point out when things are verifiably false, and things are verifiably true. All that just because I looked at a headline before we went on the air. Good morning, everybody. I hope you're coming off a wonderful weekend. Boy, it, this weather stuff in the South, it just its it shouldn't shock me at all. One thing they say about living in the South, if you don't like the weather, stick around. It's going to change in a few minutes. We went from very cold last week to very hot and sticky and rainy. And almost overnight, we're back to Chile. It was in the 30s again early this morning in northwest Louisiana. But that's part of life. You know, That's we all know this. That's part of climate change. Oh, my gosh. We got to change that. I want it 71 degrees and sunny 24-7 everywhere I go. I wish I could do that. And there are places on the planet where you can get that a whole lot more often than you can in other places, but I I don't know where that specifically is, and I certainly don't want to move around the world just because of the weather. A lot of people do that. A lot of people just have two homes. They have one in the hot, and they have one in the cold, and they switch figuring out which seasons they're most comfortable in and whatever location they're in. I'm not one of those people. I just kind of go with the flow. Most of you probably are too. Well, while we were having our weekend, the world was still spinning. I woke up this morning very early, and it was interesting for me to just start scanning what's happened in the world over the weekend. You know, in the context of everything we talk about here at Truth News Network and TNN Live, there wasn't much going on this weekend. There was a lot going on. But in the context of normal over a three-day weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, There wasn't much going on. I guess maybe the big news this weekend was a member of the U.S. House of Representatives, very well-known and well-thought-of member of the House. Of course, I'm talking about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's the darling of Congress. Everybody knows that. She's vaxxed. She's boosted. She's boosted. And she got covid Oh my gosh, She must have made the COVID God, Anthony Fauci, must have made him mad. And he just said, I'll show you AOC, bam, you got it. Folks, this COVID-19 insanity, just when you think it can't get any more intense, it does. It absolutely does. And more and more information every day comes out into the public domain of thoughts and ideas, the news world that there really is shenanigans going on with this. Maybe not the virus itself. Maybe in all the ancillary stuff to do there. Maybe in its treatment. And I believe there is some chicanery in uh, a lot of the treatments that are going on for COVID-19. I think there's a lot of misrepresentation, if not lying, going on about the reality of COVID-19 being portrayed as it is being portrayed. And we're going to get into a lot of those things this morning. Of course, I know that you heard when the United States Supreme Court was having oral arguments about President Biden's uh, OSHA mandates, Justice Sotomayor, she stepped up and just stepped in it, to be honest with you. She made a very false statement when she was quoting numbers about kids that have COVID. Well, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky clarified for us all the number of kids hospitalized with COVID-19, and the real number is nowhere close to the stat put forth by Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor on Friday. While noting that Americans can still work to reduce hospitalization by getting vax, that was a free commercial thrown into the interview by CDC Director Walensky. She was on Fox News Sunday yesterday with uh, Brett Baer, and she provided the current numbers confirming to host Baer that there are fewer than 3,500 children in hospitals across the nation with COVID-19. Justice Sotomayor said there were 100,000 kids in the hospital. Walensky, yeah, but you know, here's what I can tell you about our pediatric hospitalizations now. First of all, the vast majority of kids who are in the hospital are unvaccinated. And for those children who are not eligible for vaccination, we do know they are most likely to get sick with COVID if their family members aren't vaccinated. I've never heard anybody qualify that, those two statements, with any kind of evidence. None whatsoever that you're going to be more likely to get COVID if your family members aren't vaccinated. Now, that defies science. That very statement defies science. Why? It's called herd immunity. When we share unconsciously, on the most part, we do this 24-7, wherever with whom we're around, not even with, we can just be around them in the same room. We share exposure to all kinds of viruses and bacteria, those evil things, you know, but there's a lot of good that comes out of it. Naturally. You don't have to, you don't have to sit there and squint your eyes and squeeze hard and make it happen. It happens. It develops our bodies. Our autoimmune systems develop natural immunity by experiencing exposure to viruses, bacterias, and other biological agents and those with whom we're around. So in most cases, the reality, the facts that we have seen documented so far is if you live in a family that maybe isn't vaccinated, and I'm not talking about, oh, you can't be vaxxed for this to work. I'm just talking about if you live in a family and they aren't vaccinated and they haven't gotten COVID yet, or maybe they have and they're through it, you're probably better off to be around them than to be around other people because your body is exposed to whatever agents in theirs got them over COVID. And we're finding out more every day, every week, that natural immunity is a real deal. And it's better regarding upcoming possible infections or even reinfections than if you're vaccinated. What Sotomayor said during those oral arguments, she brought up that kids are suffering during the pandemic, pulling out a number that earned her four Pinocchios from the famous Washington Post fact checker. She said, we have 100,000 children, which we've never had before in serious condition, many on ventilators. Of course, that's a whole lot higher than the actual number, which is 3,500. And probably based on some other things you're going to hear today that we're going to discuss, the 3,500 number is grossly inflated. Walensky also pointed out to Brett Baer that numbers of COVID hospitalizations generally include patients who go to hospitals for other reasons, and just happen to test positive while they're there, as opposed to those who go to the hospital because they're sick with COVID. Now, we've been preaching this here at TNN Live for more than a year now. More than a year. We hear case after case after case where somebody, they get they get sick. They get respiratory sick. And it may be at night after work, daylight, on the weekend. They can't get to their doctor, so they go to one of the quick care urgent care centers, and they get treated for their symptoms. Did you know that if you do go to one of these urgent care or quick care, they're not going to treat you for COVID-19? They can't. The protocol for treating COVID-19 patients comes down from the CDC. CDC. And these little outlying units, most of them are, and they're most all affiliated with a hospital. Many are actually part of hospital systems. If you have symptoms of COVID-19, they may test you. In most cases here in Louisiana, they don't. But they'll refer you to a hospital. So you may go to the hospital for some other reason. And when you get to the hospital, when you're in the emergency room, They give you a test and you test positive. In some hospitals we've talked to, Walensky said, up to 40% of the patients who are coming in with COVID are coming in not because they're sick with COVID, but because they're coming in with something else and have had COVID or the Omicron variant detected once they get there. Now, who is this talking? This is Rochelle Walensky. She's the head of the CDC. Hospitals, as a general rule, and this is factual, and I'm about to tell you, I've confirmed it. As a general rule, they don't give the test that can identify which version of COVID a patient has. Now, Walensky didn't give a number of how many kids are on ventilators. Urging Americans to get vaxxed, she said she believes many hospitals don't have any vaccinated children. On ventilators. Our son is in management at a large North Texas hospital. They have no kids on ventilators. In fact, they have less than five adults on ventilators, and these are not COVID ventilator cases either. Walensky also said that not only is the number of child hospitalizations a lot lower than what the justice said, Sotomayor, it's far less than that of old age Demographic folks like me, while pediatric hospitalizations are going up, they're still about 15 times less than hospitalizations of our older demographic, she said. She confirmed that kids have a lesser risk of dying of COVID than adults, while making clear that kids should still receive protection. Comparatively, the risk of death is small, but of course children aren't supposed to die, she said. So if we have a kid who's sick with COVID... We want to protect them, of course. Um, Director Walensky, do you know that the number one thing, the number one pandemic-related issue that are impacting our kids is school closures? School closures. Keeping in mind that 1% or 2% tops are going to get COVID-19. Let's go to the top. Let's say 3% of those children are going get COVID. Do you know that for the fear of three out of 100 kids catching COVID and less than a hundredth of a percent of that that group that get COVID are going to die, why are we altering every phase of these children's lives, everything they've been taught, everything they've learned, every um, moral compass attitude that they have been taught we're ripping it away from them with very little explanation except a bunch of fear. Nobody's talking about this, folks. I say nobody. None of these so-called experts like Dr. Anthony Fauci, they're not even giving one consideration publicly about the horrors that are happening on the back end of locking these kids out of schools. Now, the flip side of that, folks, is they ask, through their unions, they ask, give us some money so we can keep schools going. We want our kids back in school. That's what our union members are all about. Gave them $190 billion to get to schools where everybody can go to school and be safe and get into in-person and stay in in-person classroom environment. $190 billion tax day taxpayer dollars. Where'd it go? Chicago's union. Chicago's union. They still say we're not going to go to work. Schools aren't safe. We're not going to go to work. They got $3 billion in Chicago for their schools. What'd they do with that $3 billion? They obviously didn't retrofit the school facilities to make, even if it was putting up those plastic shields around every kid's desk. What'd they do with that $3 billion? They didn't do it with, for what they were supposed to do with it. And that's a fact. Read our story today on the front page of truthnewsnet.org. Read the story today. You'll find out a bunch of more egregious stuff going on. So back to AOC. After accusing Republicans of trying to date her, mocking critics who called her out for living it up maskless in Florida during the holidays, AOC announced she tested positive for COVID. She released a statement from her office yesterday, and the statement said she's experiencing symptoms and recovering from the virus at home. The news came after AOC was called out on social media you saw some of the pictures in the video that were released showing her without a mask in a crowded Miami bar. The tribal vaxxed congresswoman had taken to Twitter to lash out at those who criticized her hypocrisy, calling her out for partying up in Florida while her constituents in New York endured coronavirus mandates and lockdowns. And as you can imagine, she just got pilloried on social media. I'm not even going to read any of that who in the right mind can say that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez almost daily does not show us some of the most rampant, ridiculous, hypocritical philosophies of pretty much everything living a life in America. I don't know of anybody else that expresses more hypocrisy than does she regarding anything to do with politics. But yet, on this whole incident right here and what she did for 10 days. I don't know however long she was down in Florida, but she was flaunting every part of the COVID stuff and masking and social distancing and being smart and know who you're with, yada, 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 yada. She crossed every line and now she's positive. So what kind of advice is she going to give us on the backside of this? What do you think she's going to do? (laughs) Interesting news came up over the weekend. Mortality, that's death, among young to middle-aged Americans went through the roof last year. The majority of the increase, listen closely, did not involve COVID-19. Mortality among young to middle-aged Americans went through the roof in 2021. The majority of the increase did not involve COVID-19. Now that's according to official death certificate data from across the nation. Deaths among people aged 18 to 49, just that one demographic, increased more than 40% in the 12 months ending in October, which is the end of the U.S. government fiscal year compared to the same period in 28-2019 before the pandemic. That's based on death certificate data from the Centers for Disease Control. That's more than 90,000 additional deaths in this age group, of which less than 43% involve COVID. So what's going on with this? Well, the CDC doesn't yet have full 2021 numbers as death certificate data usually trickle in with an eight-week lag or more. But there's even more. The mortality increase was most notable for the 30 to 39-year-old age group, where deaths skyrocketed by nearly 45%, with only one-third involving covid CDC data on the exact causes of these excess deaths aren't yet available, aside from those involving COVID, pneumonia, and the flu. There were close to 6,000 excess pneumonia deaths that did not involve COVID in the 30 to 39 age group in the 12 months ending October 21. Flu was only involved in 50 deaths in that age group, down from 550 in the same period pre-pandemic. The flu death count didn't exclude those that also involved COVID or pneumonia. A chunk of the mortality spike could be likely explained by this. And this is why I'm doing this story. We can give you numbers all day long and statistics and comparisons and all that kind of stuff. But this is the purpose for us talking about this. Two-thirds of those deaths involved synthetic opioids, including fentanyl, that are often smuggled to the U.S. from China through Mexico. Overdoses involving meth or other psychostimulants also significantly increased from fewer than 17,000 in 2019. It doubled In the 12 months ending in May of last year. For older age groups, mortality increased too. For those 50 to 84, it went up more than 27%, making for a total of more than 470,000 excess deaths. Almost four out of five of the excess deaths reportedly involved COVID. For those 85 or older, mortality increased about 12%, more than 100,000 excess deaths. Given the more than 130,000 COVID-related deaths in this group, the data indicates these people were less likely to die of a non-COVID-related cause from November 2020 to October 2021 than during the same months of the previous year. Comparing 2020 to 2019. Mortality increased some 24% for those 18 to 49 with less than a third of those excess deaths involving COVID. For those 50 to 84, it increased less than 20%. Over 70% of that involved COVID. For those even older, mortality jumped about 16%, 90% of those involving COVID. For those under 18, Mortality decreased about 0.4% in 2020 compared to 2019, and the 12 months ending October of last year decreased some 3.3% compared to the same period in 2018-2019. So what do you get out of that, Dan? It's all a bunch of numbers, but folks, there's so much information, so many facts that you can glean from numbers if you just take the time to very carefully look at these numbers and figure out what's going on. You got to figure out what's going on. You can't make decisions. We can't make choices unless we have hardcore facts on which to make those. We're not getting those facts on the most part from the COVID experts that are surrounding us and have been since even before our pandemic. I'm not going to get into the conspiracy stuff, and it's no longer a conspiracy Anthony Fauci is a fraud when it comes to medicine. He is, folks. I mean, he, if he's not doing this for political gain or purposes, the only other plausible explanation, he's a pathological liar, which is somebody that just lies. Not for any preconceived idea, but it's in their biology. They're going to lie. He's one of the two. Neither... Is good, So it really doesn't matter which way he rolls. But folks, look at the information that he has spewed on numerous national and international stages for a year and a half. Longer than that? I don't know. But as being tagged, labeled, and he revels in the title that he has, being the most highly paid employee of the federal government, Somebody that fits that role, I don't care what bureau agency you serve in, you ought to be doing a pretty good, darn good job to be paid what he's being paid. But it's not about money. It's about power. It's about opening up and closing doors that you shouldn't be opening or closing, even if you have the power to do that. Our young people are dying, folks. Our young people are dying. And our young people are dying at staggering rates. And as you just heard with those numbers coming from his agency, it's not because of COVID. They're not getting COVID. So why are they dying? Well, There's a bunch of information about that. Let's just weigh into it. Let's do this. Let's take our first break. When we come back, we're going to give you some information that it'll shock most of you. Some of you are already suspecting it, but it'll shock most everybody. And it's going to take 10 or 15 minutes to get it all laid out for you. We'll take our break. Back with that and a whole lot more right after this at TNN Live.
1: Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry, wee, 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 all the way home? Wee! Wee, wee, wee! 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 wee!
2: Max. Wee, wee, wee! Yeah? You're home.
1: Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. We're here asking people from all over what they think of lifting green tea. Let's hear what people from Texas have to say. Mmm mm. How about China? Mmm. Germany? Mmm. How about people from the North Pole? Mmm. Or Mars? What about mimes? Oh, right. People with their jaws wired shut? Oh. Yeah, a barbershop quartet. Mm. Mm. Oh, you guys are great. How about race car drivers? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about you, High School Glee Club, here on a field trip? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that settles it. It sounds like everyone loves the taste of Lipton Green Tea. With its protective antioxidants from real tea, it's not just good for you, it's mm mmm to you. Lipton Tea can do that.
0: Can you believe it's already the 10th of January? The 10th of January. I I don't know where this past year has gone. And I'm told the older you get, they seem to go faster. I think I'm beginning to agree with that. At 68 years old. I mean, it feels like yesterday I was 30. And I got to tell you, I wasn't 30 yesterday. A long time ago, I was 30. So what's going on with the deaths among the youth in the nation? Well, let's start with our military. This may blow your mind. Over 150 members of the U.S. military, of course, you know, most of those are, you know, 18 to 30 years old. Over 150 members of our military committed suicide in just the third quarter of last year. That represents a greater total than the number of service members who have died from COVID since the beginning of the pandemic, in just 90 days, folks. According to data released by the Pentagon, 163 service members committed suicide in third quarter of 21, which broke down into 70 active service members, 56 members of the reserves, 37 members of the National Guard. Suicides among active members of the military dropped from quarter three, uh, dropped from quarter two to quarter three, but suicides rose among reserve and National Guard members. Twice as many members of the U.S. military died of suicide from July to September than have died from coronavirus during the entire pandemic. As of January eighth, this year, folks, January eighth. This year, it's the 10th, two days ago, 86 members of the military have died from the coronavirus. In September, the total number of COVID deaths in the military was 43. The doubling of deaths from September to January is partially due to the Delta variant spike. A total of 476 members of the military committed suicide last year through three quarters of last year. In 2020, Pentagon data shows that 701 service members committed suicide. In December, the military began taking action against U.S. service members who hadn't complied with the vaccine mandate. More than 200 Marines have been booted from the U.S. military for refusing to. Pentagon didn't even weigh in on this over the weekend. It's such a big deal. I thought it would be everywhere, but not so. This summer a research paper concluded that a staggering 30,176 American active military personnel and veterans involved in post-9-11 wars are estimated to have died by suicide. 30,000, a figure at least four times greater than the 7,000 service members who were killed in combat during the same time period. The stats emerged this summer in a report from the Cost of War Project which is a joint research effort between Brown University and Boston University. Unless the U.S. government and U.S. society make some significant changes in the ways we manage the mental health crisis among our service members and veterans, suicide rates are going to continue to go up. That's a cost of war we cannot accept. So that's in the military. I I would think that probably you could sit there and think about this for three or four or five minutes, and you could come up with some explanations for it. You know, the military, very focused, very, um, in many cases, have identical ideologies about their lives and service to our nation, and how easily it would be to become depressed when things don't go as you've thought your entire life as you aimed your life, in most cases, towards serving in the military, you find out things are different, and they're not going to change, at least to the way you thought they should be, and you just lose any hope, and you take your own life. It's a horrible place to be, but one could see in the military. That might be prone to happen more than in other folks. Well, guess where else... This is happening, and dramatically. The percentage of teenagers who were hospitalized for suspected suicide attempts spiked in 2020 and 2021 in the middle of all these COVID lockdowns. Researchers for the CDC found the rate at which girls aged 12 through 17 were visiting the emergency department for suicide attempts between February and March of 2021, increased 51% compared to the same time period in 2019. Remember, that was before the COVID-19 pandemic for schools and businesses to close their doors. Researchers also tell us a 4% increase in emergency department visits for suspected suicide attempts among boys ages 12 through 17 over the same period. This study was published on Friday. It does not examine causes of suspected increased suicide attempts. It notes that some researchers have cautioned about a potential increase in suicides during this pandemic on account of increases in suicide risk factors. And what are those risk factors? Well, they include a lack of connectedness to schools, to teachers, and to their school peers due to physical distancing measures, barriers to health treatment, increases in substance abuse, and anxiety related to family health and economic problems. Emergency room visits for mental health concerns and suspected child abuse, which are also risk factors for suicide, also increased in 2020 compared with 2019, potentially contributing to increases in suspected suicides. General mental health-related emergency department visits among teens aged 12-17 through 17 increased 31% in 2020 compared to 2019. Spending time at home, too, may have put kids at higher risk of experiencing suicidal thoughts and behaviors. For a brief period, just two months, March and April of 2020, when many states implemented an initial wave of lockdown orders Emergency room visits for suspected suicide attempts among those ages 12 through 25 fell, but then began to go back up during the summer of 2020. From July and August of 2020, two months, suspected suicide attempts were up more than 26% among girls in that age group 12 to 17. Other experts, besides those at the CDC, have suggested the trend is not unique to U.S. children. Doctors elsewhere have reported kids, some as young as eight, deliberately running into traffic, overdosing on pills and otherwise self-harming. In Japan, child and adolescent suicides hit record levels in 2020. Pediatric psychiatrists say they're seeing kids with COVID-related phobias, tics, eating disorders, obsessing about infection, scrubbing their hands raw, covering their bodies with disinfectant gel and terrified of getting sick from food. Also, increasingly, getting more and more common, kids suffering panic attacks, heart palpitations, and other symptoms of mental anguish, as well as chronic addictions to their mobile devices and computer screens that have become their sitters, their teachers, their entertainers, during lockdowns, curfews, and school closures. Do you get this common thread? Do you get it? I think you do. I I think we all do, folks. We're we're in trouble. We're in big trouble. And yes, people, uh, don't ever take anything that you hear here and just plant it in that anybody here, anybody that we bring to you to go on the air with us or me or anybody else that's on the air, any of our writers, our guest writers, nobody believes that COVID-19 is not real. It is. It is. Is it as has been represented for a couple of years? We still don't know that, and we're seeking to get those answers. But people are dying, good people, hardworking people are dying for nothing they've done wrong except get exposed to, and experience all of the egregious things at much greater levels than many people that have got it. But nevertheless, it's killed a bunch of people. There are people walking around that have, in addition to deaths, those people walking around obviously haven't experienced that, but experienced some amazing reactions, not just to COVID-19, but to the very vaccinations. The VARES report, we we tell you almost weekly here what the latest numbers are. These are reports uh, of adverse events that happen strictly because of vaccinations. A million sixteen thousand nine hundred and ninety of those reports came in through the last day of December in one year. One million sixteen thousand. 990 reports of adverse reactions, a typical year throughout the history of keeping this at the CDC all the way back to 1991, a typical year, a big year of VAR's adverse events reports have been twenty to 30,000, over a million just last year included in those numbers. 21,382 deaths, 113,000 hospitalizations, 110,000 of additional urgent care visits, 158,000 doctor office visits, 8,700 anaphylaxis cases, 12,000 Bell's palsy cases, 3,511 miscarriages, 11,000 heart attacks, myocarditis, pericarditis cases, 23,000. 36,758 permanently disabled Americans. 24,000 other life-threatening events. 37,000 severe allergic reaction cases. 11,000 cases of shingle. Folks, this is abnormal. Nobody can explain this away. But you know what the egregious thing about this whole thing is? We see Rochelle Walensky, director of CDC. We see Anthony Fauci every day on some television interview, news show, speaking somewhere. They won't even address the adverse event that happened. And even the CDC let everybody know about the various reports that they are way, 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 in every category, way low much lower than the actual statistics. In fact, there are estimates that these are underreported as much as 60 times underreported. In the context of what that might mean, it might mean, if you use the high end of the CDC's estimates, of 60, 100, well, what's 60 times 20,000? I'm not going to give you a number without checking it. 60. 60 times 20,000. I just want to make sure before I spit a number out. From the vaccinations themselves, using the high-end spectrum of the range of probabilities they give us about these adverse reactions, including deaths, on the high-end, folks, 1.2 million Americans may have died because of the vaccination. That's from the CDC. They don't confirm that, but they put it out. There as a possible, a possibility, a possible range of these reports. No explanations for any of that. None whatsoever. It's just happening. But boy, while it's happening, we got to, push on forward with politicizing everything that we can, right? We have to make everything a political matter and we have to find ways to weaponize everything that happens against our political opponents. Over the weekend, this comes out. Guidance that was issued by folks in the Biden administration states certain individuals may be considered high risk and more quickly qualify for those monoclonal antibodies And the oral antivirals used to treat COVID-19 and the qualification will be for those people based on their race or ethnicity. In a fact sheet issued for healthcare providers by the FDA, the federal agency approved emergency use authorizations of Sochavanab a monoclonal antibody proven to be effective against the Omicron variant only to patients considered high risk. The guidance updated in December says medical conditions are factors such as race or ethnicity. Now, do I need to elaborate on that? I thought if we said that somebody based solely on their race or their ethnicity, would be more prone to experience something than a person that's white. I always thought that was racist. The CDC says that some people's race or ethnicity have the potential to place individual patients at high risk for progression severe COVID-19, adding that the authorization of citrofamib under the emergency use authorization is not limited to other factors outlined by the agency. Older people, obesity, pregnancy, chronic kidney disease, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, or among the multiple medical conditions and factors that are associated with what are considered high-risk individuals by the FDA. But now they're saying it's based on race. Some states, including New York and Utah, have made it clear. They're going to prioritize certain racial minorities over other high-risk patients when it comes to the distribution of particular COVID treatments. I just find it unfathomable that our healthcare system would stoop to this and allow this to happen. We've all seen television series and movies through the years where doctors just stand up when they're told to do something that is beyond the pale of what they swore an oath, their Hippocratic oath that they were going to do is based totally on the patient that's in front of them's health situation, certainly not based on the color of their skin. But now... That's what's happening in the United States of America. And if you're not fitting the narrative, if your particular classification doesn't fall into the politically correct examples that they're giving us, you're slap out of luck. Get to the end of the line. Doesn't matter what your real medical need is. What matters only to get you anywhere in the top 10, 15 percent. Of the people in that line is your skin color. Racism. So, how do you fix racism? Well, you bring in some other type of racism and make it okay to tackle and do away with the racism that you don't particularly think much about the people that are in that category. You know, you're better than them. Your racism is not evil. Theirs, of course, is. That's the way we roll. Here in the United States, folks, that's really happening. Tammy Bruce, Fox News contributor, called out this irony of New York's, their controversial eligibility for the oral antiviral treatments, claiming that government health orders aimed at minorities makes people of color suspicious. Suspicious of what? About the federal government's intentions. Nobody thinking about these things. We have history here. We have history in the United States of America where because of your ethnicity or your skin color, people in our federal government will go after you. You don't remember the stories about World War II? FDR put thousands of Japanese people in basically concentration camps here in the United States. Why? Because of their ethnicity. Tammy Bruce said this, this is a horrible irony that the rates of vaccination among people of color, black Americans in particular, is lower because understandably they have some suspicion about the intentions of government considering the history, especially regarding health care when it comes to governor government orders. The government has in the past made decisions based on the color of people's skin, based on ethnicity against them it's been a problem and when we still see it happening in the 21st century you know people of color aren't going to look at this and say oh great now we're getting the good end of the stick it's a sign that the government has not learned any lessons from this past nobody thought about this i can tell you how you would you when you heard me give you this information some of you out there you asked the question how could the government do that how could they do that folks How could this government do anything like they have done regarding COVID-19 and process it the way they have and foist it on the American people? How could that happen? You can't tell me two years ago, you would think that what we are living in today would actually or could actually happen in the United States of America, the freest most powerful, most economically blessed country on the planet. And here we are, our kids are hiding. We're trying to keep them sane. We're trying to keep them away from mom's pill bottles, keep them alive. People in our military, those that when we really have great issues, military issues, they're the first ones to jump to the front of the line and go defend us in the face of our enemies, our foreign foes and our domestic foes, and they're killing themselves at a greater rate than ever before. What's the commonality here? The w- Not COVID, but the way this government is treating its citizens. From the very beginning of Truth News Network, just as a a blog site three, four years ago, I don't even remember exactly when it began. From the very beginning, our one driving promise that we made to all is you get facts here, you get truths here. And we on numerous occasions, we have looked at the landscape of what happens on a daily basis in politics, who does what, who says what, what's wrong, what's right, what lies are out there. And I got to tell you, I spend personally, I spend in a day I promise you I spend at least 10 hours outside of the 2 hours of this show researching, digging, asking questions, talking to people, trying to find the truth. And I got to I got to I'm going to come clean with you here. Much of what I see personally and I find out and discover you don't hear it here. Because just just because we find out about something doesn't mean it's right to bring it to you yet. Just because it's out there doesn't mean we understand all of the things that go along with it. And we can give you some clear information about it. But we know it's there. Marianne, my wife, she'll tell you. Sometimes I have real problems sleeping just because of what I know and find out. And I'm not bragging about that. Sometimes, in fact, in a lot of cases, I wish I didn't see it. but the American people are looking at a government that is sitting up at the top and they are loving what they're seeing happen to the people that they govern. How could you say that, Dan? Well, why are they doing it? Why are they letting it happen? Why aren't they changing the processes that have allowed it to happen? Why aren't they listening Why are they pushing and tightening down and clamping down harder and harder on the freedoms, the individuality, the rights that we have? Why are they specifically, outwardly, vocally attacking the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the Third, Fourth? Why are they attacking any of those freedoms that our forefathers were so dramatically all in for? They wrote them and put them in the first part of our U.S. Constitution right after the articles, why did they do that? Those 10 amendments, they're known as our Bill of Rights, they knew or suspected in a big government situation these kind of things were going to happen if the government was not held to count. Who could hold the government to count? Well, constitutionally, it's supposed to be we the people. We, the people, control the government supposedly. Now, be honest with me. Can you say factually today that you believe 100% that the people of the United States are running this nation? That those that we appoint or we hire to represent us to do the day-to-day duties of that are doing their job? Do you believe that's happening? No, it's not happening. No credible, no honest person can say that. Why is that? Why is that? It's because we, the people, let it happen. How do we stop that? Well, if we really do have free and fair elections, and I I can't imagine how many tens of millions of Americans don't believe we do. That is a seed that has planted fear in the hearts of far more Americans than I would ever think could possibly feel that way. But I'll tell you this, more than half of this nation doesn't believe that our elections are fair. And if you don't have that, if you don't have the substance, the veracity, the truth, the respect, the honest honesty in your elections, where else do you think you're going to find it? When the people that have already been elected, that are in office at local, state, and federal levels are up there demanding that everything's okay. We told you about that member of the United States House of Representatives, a Republican this morning. He said the 2020 election was fair. And anybody, I don't care who you are, you cannot justifiably, realistically, and honestly say that that election was fair. What you can argue about is how much cheating there was in the election. Those are factual folks. And that stuff, that's not even over. That's not even over. you probably didn't hear this down in Georgia, Georgia's Republican secretary of state, Brad Raffensperger yesterday, folks. Now remember he was the guy that swore top to bottom. Georgia's 2020 election system was perfectly fair. All honest yesterday. He called for federal election reforms. Oh my gosh, he's evil. He's racist, right? You know why? He wants the election reforms at the federal level to include photo IDs, the banning of ballot harvesting, and a constitutional amendment that would allow only U.S. citizens to vote. One would think that those three things would be, hey, that's no big deal, buddy, we'll do it photo id laws when you when you go, when you go in a grocery store in some cities in this nation and you want to take your kids to the bathroom you have to show a photo idea id before you can get in the bathroom at a grocery store and yet having a photo id to vote is racist that's political fodder and nothing less the banning of ballot harvesting what, I mean, who in their right mind thinks that there is not certain cheating going on by people that actually promote and get out there and harvest ballots? Hey, I'm going to bring you your ballot, your right-in ballot. I'm going to help you. I'm going to sit on with you and help you fill it out. I know you're an older person. You're an indigent. You're, you're medically not able to get out and about. And we don't want you to lose the chance to vote, so we're going to help you. And then, you know, you don't even have to leave your house. We're going to take it and we're going to register it, take it in and make sure your vote gets counted. Raffensperger is running for re-election for Secretary of State. He was on Face the Nation on CBS yesterday. He noted the U.S. does not have an amendment to prevent non-citizens from voting as cities around the nation are trying to push for their right to vote. New York, they already passed it over the weekend. The new mayor, Eric Adams... He stands by. He could have vetoed it, but nope. He said, bring it on. Raffensperger said, now you see cities are trying to push non-citizen voting. I believe only American citizens should be participating in our voting. And that's supported by a wide majority of all Americans. New York City's that one, 800,000 non-citizens who are lawfully permanent residents, by the way, they're just not citizens. If they've been in New York City for at least 30 days, they can vote in local elections. More than a dozen communities across the U.S. already allow non-citizens to vote in local elections. Eleven towns in Maryland, two in Vermont. Some states, including Alabama, Arizona, Colorado, and Florida, have adopted rules that would preempt any attempts to pass laws like this one passed in New York City. And our Senate Democrats... They're also pushing for federal voting rights with their Freedom to Vote Act. The bill's measures would expand early voting, make voting by mail, and complying with voter ID laws easier. Yeah, right. Oh, by the way, it also brings all the control of all the elections at every level under the umbrella of, guess who? The federal government. And who in this nation... Who here trust this federal government to be certain that all of our elections are run fairly and legally? Not a chance of that happening. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network.
1: ABC Tonight, it's all about big cash. Here we go! And big crash. <laughs> on the new season of Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, one star will spin it. Give me some money. To win it all. A big winner of $1 million. Then, host Leslie Jones is off to the races on Supermarket Sweep.
3: On your carts! Get set! Yeah. And
1: we're going to need a clean up on every aisle. You are on fire! <laughs> it all starts tonight, 87 Central on ABC and stream on Hulu.
0: Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word From Your Wallet.
1: You're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want
3: to be a pain in the...
0: Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. While some compromise to be nice, others aggressively hold to the truth. Guess which one we are. TNN, the Truth News Network. And don't forget, folks, if you miss a show, if you want to share the show, the easiest way to do it is... Just minutes after the show completes every Monday through Friday, they are loaded. Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcast, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcast, and Stitcher. They put them up on their podcast page. The show is titled TNN Live. And all you got to do is go pull up any one of those podcast sites and uh, you go to the search bar and type in TNN Live. The index for the main page comes up, and it has every show we've done over the last, I don't know, six, eight months there. The newest show is at the top, so you can grab it, download it. You can listen to it there, share it however you want. And, of course, anytime you can go back to whatever day that was that you're looking for. Go back to the story at truthnewsnet.org for that day. Scroll down on the bottom, and we put a link down there for you so you can grab it there. Any way you want to get it. And it's amazing how many times these shows are being downloaded across the world from these sites. Spreading the word, that's what it's all about. You know, we were just talking about citizens or non citizens. Which should it be that vote in local elections? Why anybody? would think that it was okay for anybody in the United States to vote in any election. That's not a citizen. I can't even fathom somebody believing that's okay. Nevertheless, for political purposes, we do pretty much anything, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what we do. If we can find a political heads up opportunity to, you know, put some more off on somebody who we consider to be our political opponents, we're going to go for it. Well, It happened in New York City. Now, you got to remember this. They got a new mayor, January 1st, Eric Adams, former well known, well thought of African American policeman, a lifer in the New York police force. He ran for mayor and he pretty much won the job easily. He is a Democrat, but while he was running, he came out against this idea of giving non-citizens the right to vote in local elections in New York. But guess what? Probably comes as no surprise to you right after the election, he did a 180. And so CNN's Jake Tapper, oh my gosh, he is an investigative reporter. I mean, he digs in, he gets only the truth. He had the mayor on yesterday, and listen to old Jake as he confronted the mayor. And the mayor explained, how he thought it was okay.
2: You announced last night that you're going to support a law passed last month in New York City, which will allow roughly 800,000 legal non-citizens to vote in local elections, provided that they've lived in New York for at least 30 days. You previously called the bill problematic and expressed concern about giving a right to vote to non-citizens who have only been here for a short amount of time. I think there are a lot of Americans watching right now who might share your concerns and, and also have... More broadly, questions about the idea of people who have not taken a citizenship test, prepared for that test by learning about the US, who haven't sworn an oath to the country, getting to vote. Why did you change your mind and why is it acceptable for non-citizens to vote in an American election?
3: No, I did not change my mind. I supported the concept of the bill. The one aspect of that I had a problem with and I thought was problematic was the 30-day part of being in the country for 30 days was the place that I had questions and I sat down with my colleagues. I'm a big believer in uh, conversation. We have to start talking to each other and not at each other. And after hearing their rationale and their theories behind it, uh, I thought it was more important to not veto the bill or get in the way at all and allow the bill to move forward. In New York City, just Brooklyn, for example, 47% of Brooklyn I speak a language other than English at home. When I was the borough president. And so I think it's imperative that people who are in a local municipality have the right to decide who's going to govern them. And I support the overall concept of that bill.
2: Doesn't the bill just make a mockery of the idea of American citizenship, though? I mean, this is just for local elections, but does that mean like next uh, New York City is going to want non-citizens to vote in federal elections? I mean, and what do you say to all the people who went through the process, the difficult process of becoming an American citizen, studying for the test, swearing an oath of allegiance to the United States of America, who, who now see this legislation just saying, well, anyone who's here, go ahead and vote.
3: Uh, well, I, I tell to, I say to them, keep doing it. Uh, you know, membership has its privileges of uh, being a member of what we call United States of America is a great privilege. And I, I would tell them, keep doing it be encouraged uh, this is a great opportunity to be a member of this great country uh, don't let anything daunt you or take you away from that mission uh, this legislation is not going to do that keep becoming a citizen of this country
0: now let me ask you this in the context of what you have seen and what you have heard and then put it lined up to what you just heard Mayor of New York City Eric Adams respond to Jake Tacker what do you think is really going on there. When Tapper pressed him, he answered. To his credit, he did answer. I thought his answers were kind of lame. Basically what he did, folks, was he ran on one particular side of this issue. Most people in New York City that are citizens don't want 800,000 people who aren't citizens voting to decide what happens in every way and everything with their city. I mean, do you want a bunch of people that aren't citizens, that aren't participating in your life, in your community, in no way legally or doing those, do you want them voting to decide who's going to regulate all those kind of things? It makes absolutely no sense. So what could be going on here? There's only one possible answer for that. He changed his mind because of political partisanship we're going to talk a little bit in just a minute about something else happening pretty ugly in new york city and its sources i think lie in the same reasoning for the sources for mayor adams to do this flip-flop on this he tried to justify it by saying man in brooklyn alone you got people that speak 12 different languages Folks, this is the United States of America. There are probably 50 different languages spoken around our nation. There always have been. We're the melting pot of the world. We advertise that for ever since the nation's been here. A place for everybody to come, regardless of your skin color, your ethnicity, your state of origin. None of that matters. If you come here and come here legally, and legally means, by the way, become a citizen. There are provisions that somebody who comes here legally, but they don't become citizens, that they have to go through. I wonder how many of those 800,000 have stuck to those requirements and those laws. You put that in the context of the massive immigration law breaking that we are watching going on every day at the hands of Joe Biden and all of those under him and his various agencies and departments, where they're totally ignoring immigration laws that were all passed duly by the United States Congress. They've been on the books forever. Joe Biden voted for many of them when he served in the United States Senate. So what changed? What happened? Well, breaking the law is a bad thing at most levels of life in the United States of America. But if you're at the top and you blink at a law you kind of wink at it and it's enforcement, you send a message down to the bottom tiers of society and the citizenry in your country that says, hey, it's okay to slide every once in a while. It's okay to tell that little white lie. It's okay to fudge on your income tax return. It's okay to do that. When that happens, what Overall, what overarching philosophy takes over? Let me give you a little uh, social lesson real quick. How did you handle grades when you were in school? Were you an A student, a B student, a C student, or were you a D or an F student? How did you do that? How did you make those grades? What process did you go through to be able to say, I'm an A student? I'm a C student or I flunked. I'm an F student. It didn't happen with just one circumstance, one instance. It happened over a period of time. And you were graded on a number of things, principally in school, test performances on tests. And there weren't just one test in any grading period. There were multiple things. And there were a whole bunch of elements that went into making that grade. So, How do you make an A? Well, you make mostly A's, right? On tests, on assignments, on discipline in the classroom, however and whatever standards were set for you when you were in school. But how do you make a C, folks? Well, most people don't make a C just by doing everything middle of the road. That was all they did. Never did anything really great to get an A never did anything really bad to get an F. But most cases, C's don't come from just all C's. They come from an A over here, an F over here, a D over here, a B over here and at the end of the day it all averages in and you get a C. So where are you going in the context of what you're talking about law enforcement here and what the mayor said and all those kind of where are you going where are you going with this, Dan? It's real simple, folks. When you set the bar at middle in anything in your life, your personal relationship with your spouse, your business, dealing with your kids, everything in your life, when you may be consciously or even subconsciously, when you allow that bar, which is, let's call it the C bar, to be the measure the standard. You're okay if you're here. You're not okay if you're below here. We really want you to be above here, but if you're at this level, you're okay. What happens when mom or pop or a teacher or a Sunday school teacher, a coach, what if you make it very clear, here are the levels of performance and we want you to do the A-level. You know, it's okay if you're B-level and maybe C-level. We've got some questions in our mind about you doing the stuff that would, would, would fall into that category. Ds and Fs, not so acceptable. What happens when they, the people above you, the teachers, the administrators, the coaches, the parents, the bosses, when they begin to say, Well, we're going to move that bar just a little bit down. We're going to accept it. You know, we don't want anybody to come into this country illegally. We pass laws to keep that happening. We don't want anybody to have, possess, or distribute illegal drugs. We don't want that to happen. And if you do that or let it happen, you're going to be prosecuted. You're going to pay the price. What price are you going to pay? What the law calls for. In our kids' lives, in school, athletics, coaching, anything, at our at our work, what bar are we talking about? If the leaders at the top, they begin to okay not doing this, which is supposed to be part of what's expected, and to do this but just don't do it, you don't have to do it perfectly. When they let all of that just get muddled up, what happens? Average goes down across the board. Things that were never okay are all of a sudden okay. And then there's an overarching thing that happens in every circumstance like that. Whoever those rules apply to, whoever those standards are set for, they begin to take advantage of the laxness, not having to abide by those anymore. That's called human nature, folks. So do you want to live in a world that 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when you were still living at home with mom and dad, your mom or dad would have looked at what you're doing and is acceptable in your life. Now you would have been graded an F or a D back then, but now it's considered a C or maybe even a B. Do you see what's happening? Our society is sinking in its expectations, and therefore its production and performance is sinking in parallel. It's all cause and effect, folks. And when our leaders do what Eric Adams, the new mayor of New York City, what he did was let this thing go forward to make it okay for 800,000 people that live in New York City that aren't even citizens, to make it okay for them to vote, the bar just got lowered. If the federal government is successful and takes over the elections, which the Constitution says the place, the time, and the structure of elections are to be handled at the state level, if they can go in and they can do it legally, go in and change that law and they take over the federal elections, you can fit it, you can forget about fair. You can forget about C or above. It's gone. Why? It's gonna be totally driven by the political party that finds themselves in power at the time. It has no face. It's not a donkey. It's not an elephant Republican or Democrat. It's not. It's us elections. And are we going to make them honor the law that controls those things? Or are we going to let it be okay? Are we going to, shore up our border at the southern border and letting millions of people come in illegally that we have no idea that are there. We talked about suicides going through the roof now. Do you know almost all of the fentanyl that comes into the United States comes from China through Mexico? There is more fentanyl that has been caught at the Mexican border in the last year. In fact, in one specific month, enough fentanyl to kill every American every american 336 million of us kill us all and all that's happening illegally and the biden administration makes no takes no measure to stop it none oh they hope we catch some but we do but just think about how much more we don't catch and then we look at our nation and we wonder why 600,000 texans six 100,000 Texans in a three-year period, in a -a two-and-a-half-year period, experienced felony criminal actions against them by illegals that came into the country because our border wasn't secure and our federal government has not been enforcing immigration laws. And by the way, states can't handle immigration by the Constitution They can't do that. It's the sole right and responsibility of the federal government. 600,000 Texans experience criminal actions against them by these illegals that range in all the way from the bottom, simple burglary, all up to first-degree murder because the federal government made a choice that breaking immigration law, it's okay. Why would they do that? Because they want the results of the illegal immigration and the flood of illegals into the United States. They want it to happen. It's not legal, and yet they're doing it. If Donald Trump was president now and you flipped the narrative and he was doing something like this, he would already have been impeached and tried and kicked out of office. Why hasn't that happened to Joe Biden? <laughs> because he's a Democrat and Democrats control both houses. The house of representatives is where any impeachment process must begin. And if the house comes up with articles of impeachment that are passed there, they go across to the Senate. The Senate conducts an impeachment trial and determines if that president is going to be removed from office. Since the president's a Democrat, the Senate's controlled by Democrats and the House of Representatives is controlled by Democrats, what's happening? Evil is taking on a new face and getting stronger and stronger and much more powerful and much more arrogant than we've ever seen before. I think that in itself has shocked me more than anything, is how they have, with impunity, just reach into the lives of all of us and we're ignoring our thoughts, what we want, what we voted for, what we want the people we voted for to do for us. They just blow it all off now. You put us up here, don't be surprised at what we do up here because you sent us up here, it's your fault. <laughs> More about that right after this
4: Ready for best life minus the burnout? I'm Zuri Hall from NBC's Access Hollywood, and my new podcast, Hot Happy Mess, is all about the most important VIP. You join us each Monday as we discuss relationships, self care, career, and much more. Our podcast is for mindful, ambitious, diverse millennial women who are ready for more happiness, laughter, peace, and purpose now. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts, and it's easy to see why. Listen to Hot Happy Mess every week on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Shop at
1: H&M. Be stylish. Be trendy. With women's clothes and accessories at the best quality and the best prices since 1947. Come to H&M and shop for women's clothing and accessories inspired by the latest fashion trends. Here at H&M, the master of cheap fashion, clothes cost the average price of $21.40.
4: Wow! That's so cheap and
1: affordable. I know, right? H&M offers fashion and quality clothing at an affordable price.
0: So, what are you
3: waiting for? Come shop at H&M today.
1: Hashtag Hot and Modern.
3: Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer.
0: You know, that illegal presence of people in the United States, it didn't just happen, and it's not just happening at the southern border. You know, there are a lot of people that apply legally for visas here and are given visas to come to the United States. Those visas all come with specifics of you're going to be here, where are you going to be, what are you going to be doing, and they're only for specific periods of time. Did you know this? Over the last year, a total of 584,885 foreigners overstayed their visas last year. That's from a brand new report released over the weekend from the Department of Homeland Security. Now, they just released the report, but they made it look like they had released it back in September last year when Republican senators were pressing them to get those numbers out there. The entry exit overstay report from the Homeland Security Department found 584,885 foreign nationals who were legally allowed to come to the U.S. for a period of time but failed to abide by their visas stayed longer than permitted. That was the higher, much higher I guess, almost 100,000 higher than 497 from the previous year. Alejandro Mayorkas, Homeland Security, called the increase an anomaly when compared with the prevailing trend. And, of course, he blamed it on what? COVID-19. COVID-19 is the whipping child for everybody in the justification, for anybody and everybody in this administration to just do what they want to do because it's covid We're in a pandemic, so everything's okay. No, everything's not okay. It's not okay. These people all broke the law. Is there any accountability for that? Two million. Two million people were caught coming across our southern border last year. Two million people. Every one of them broke laws by coming across our border. How many of them have been prosecuted for breaking the laws? This law thing and breaking laws and breaking rules, it's just gotten totally out of hand. Have you heard about this Manhattan district attorney, the new guy that was elected? I mean, this guy, he has gone nuts, folks. Absolutely crazy. And he's done it, I mean, just very, very quickly. His name is Alvin Bragg. And Saturday, he appeared with Reverend Al Sharpton at the National Action Network Rally in New York, and he talked about his plans not to fix the law breaking in New York. Ooh, no, he's not going to do that. Manhattan, he's not going to do that. That's up to the cops. What he's going to do, he says, is reduce incarceration through lowered prison sentences and fewer arrests. This is what he said uh, Saturday. We said we were going to marry fairness and safety. We laid out a specific plan. We put it on the website. We put it in print. This week after January 1, we got down to work and we're doing exactly what we said we were going to do. We know that our first civil right is the right to walk safely to our corner store. But we also know that the safety has got to be based in our community in fairness It cannot be driven solely by incarceration, he told the audience. He's made lowering incarceration and shortening prison sentence a key component of his political campaign. We need an investment in our neighborhoods. We do need to address our significant safety concerns, he added, claiming, though, that there has been miscommunication about his position. So that's what we set out to do. That's what we started to do this week. And I thank Reverend Sharpton for his invitation because there have been, let me just say, some misunderstandings. So Bragg has announced that he is not going to seek any jail time for a variety of offenses following a path of other progressive prosecutors in places like Los Angeles, San Francisco, Philadelphia, and others. On his third day in office, third day, Bragg sent a memo stressing, Diversion and alternatives to incarceration, such as crisis intervention programs, instead of sending some criminals to jail. He acknowledged in his speech at Sharpton's place that crime, including violent crime, is skyrocketing in the city. He said this, gun crimes on the rise, domestic violence on the rise. We've got sexual assault. That's what was going on on with the status quo. So we know we need a change to address that, Bragg explained. And the way to do that is partner with traditional public safety methods is to invest in our communities. Racial disparities rife in our system. We criminalize poverty every day of the week. He expressed confusion at the pushback. His lesser sentencing plan is received from the public saying, This is going to make us safer. It's intuitive. It's common sense. I don't understand the push. Guys, I just can't go on with this insanity. Do you know why crime has gone up the last two or three years dramatically in New York City? It's because the previous mayor, Bill de Blasio, handcuffed the New York City police. He shut them down. He dismantled the biggest department of law enforcement specialists in New York City. He just sent them packing. And this guy comes in, and what he's going to do, he didn't get elected to make any laws, folks. The New York City laws are made by the New York City Council. Law enforcement people don't have the power or the authority to make, to bend, to determine they don't want to enforce the laws that the legal authorities have passed that sounds a little similar to some other circumstances we've seen over the past years around our nation. Like, um, you remember what happened in the recent Los Angeles, the district attorney election. You remember what happened in Philadelphia? Remember what happened in San Francisco? You remember what happened in St. Louis? There's a common thread among all of them. What do we say over and over and over again at, Truth News Network. Anytime you're trying to figure out what's going on, follow the money. And there's a very, very powerful follow the money person behind these recent elections of these district attorneys in Los Angeles, in San Francisco, in Baltimore, in Philadelphia, in St. Louis, in my city, Shreveport, Louisiana. And also in New York City, who and what is the common denominator, George Soros? After winning the Democrat primary months of, ago, this district attorney in New York, Bragg, he sailed the victory with more than 83% in the Manhattan district attorney's race against a Republican, Tom's, Thomas Kenneth, who got less than 20% of the vote. Bragg, he's just doing now what he said he was going to do in his campaign. Centering around his pro jailbreak agenda that seeks to end prosecutions for what he calls minor offenses like marijuana misdemeanors, turnstile jumping, trespassing, driving with a suspended license, prostitution, resisting arrest, and obstructing the work of the New York City Police Department. Likewise, he said he will reduce mass incarceration by recommending no more than 20 year maximum prison sentences absent exceptional circumstances, he said. Bragg plans to ensure jail release for all suspects accused of crimes in the city except in homicide or assault with a deadly weapon and felony sex crimes. In June, Bragg was linked to George Soros after it was revealed that the Color of Change Political Action Committee, which endorsed Bragg's candidacy, was getting millions, from that particular political action committee. Who funds it? Who operates it? George Soros. At the time, Soros had donated about a million dollars to the Color of Change PAC, which was spending their funds to drive up support in Manhattan for Bragg. The backing is the only latest case in which he has bought these positions around the nation. District Attorney George Gasson in Los Angeles, took office in December of 2020, immediately abolished cash bail for most crimes, barring prosecutors from seeking the death penalty. He funded DA races in Philadelphia, Cook County, Illinois, Contra Costa County in California, and we told you, St. Louis, Shreveport, Louisiana. And what he's going for is these people that are far-lefters that don't believe in law enforcement and they want to dumb down the laws and stop law enforcement. Folks, let me just say this. None of this, none of this is going to help anything going on in Manhattan. It's only going to make it worse. I remember, I personally remember a time when New York City, you couldn't even go down to Times Square. There were indigents, homeless people, There was crime rampant around the city. Murders went through the roof. It was horrible up there. There was no law enforcement going on. New Yorkers elected Rudy Giuliani, who was a federal prosecutor at the time that was known for being a tough law enforcement guy. And in a matter of months, he cleaned up New York City. And everything Rudy implemented that made it the biggest, best, greatest city in our nation to go to for people to live in with the exception of the horrible expense. But it was safe to walk on New York, Manhattan city streets. You could go up to the Bronx and not have a problem. Worried about that part of town going to a Yankees game. It used to be that bad, folks. You wouldn't go around Manhattan. You were very careful. Riding in a subway, that's a a staple that everybody does when they go to New York. It's storied, the New York system. Now, wait. You just watch what's going to happen. It's not going to take years. In a matter of a couple of months, crime in Manhattan, specifically the bad stuff, I'm not talking about jaywalking. I'm talking about the bad stuff. It's going to go up exponentially. And let me predict, let me tell you what they're going to try to do up there, what he's going to try to do. He's going to try to hide all of the increased crime, the severity of things that are done to Manhattan people by others that they're not being prosecuted for. They're not being held accountable for. They're going to skyrocket. That's what George Soros wants. That's what he pushes for, folks. That's what he pushes for. And Americans... I don't know if Americans are going to stand for it. They elected this guy. He got a huge percentage of the vote. And he was up there preaching these exact kind of things. You get what you vote for. We're going to watch what happens. But let me tell you this. Though I love the Big Apple. I've been there many times. I love the Big Apple. I love going there. I love staying there. I love going around the city. One of the greatest times I had was going to Manhattan with my daughters and my wife. They took me to New York for my birthday. It was a great time until I found out when I got there, they took me there for my credit card. <laughs> but I love going with them down to Soho on the southeast side of Manhattan. It's the garment district. And they would go in these, you know, mega, mega stores, mega shops, And I went in a few, but after that, I just, I just wanted to stay outside the stores when they went in and watch the people and the buildings in that part of Manhattan, most of the, the buildings in Manhattan that have been there for a long time on the street side on the sidewalk, there's a big brass fitting that comes out of the wall, big one, but it's at about. a little lower than waist high. And that's when there's a fire in that building, the fire department comes and they hook up their fire hose there, but it sticks out about a couple of feet. And I would sit on those and just watch New Yorkers doing what New Yorkers do. I loved being there. Those days are gone. I love going to Broadway musicals, love going to plays, love the food. River Cafe in Brooklyn, my wife and I's favorite restaurant to go. We're not going there. We haven't been there. We're not vaccinated. We're not going back unless and until all of this stuff is cleaned up. And folks, people are leaving these big cities. And what's left behind when they leave these big cities and these states that are governed by these hard, top-down, far-left Democrats in these offices? Have you heard the latest about California? California. The tallest tower in Austin, Texas, hadn't been finished yet. We found out over the weekend, it's got a new tenant. California-based Meta Platforms Incorporated. Who is that? It's the parent company of Facebook. They leased the entire portion of the commercial side of this 66-story high-rise It's going to feature also 349 residential units from floors 34 to 66. Once it's completed, developers say the building located at West 6th and Guadalupe Streets will stand 840 feet high. According to the Journal, Meta signed a lease on New Year's Eve for 589,000 square feet, spanning 33 floors of the skyscraper. The lease is the largest ever in downtown Austin and larger than the entire Frostbank Tower in terms of square feet. And that's the the Frostbank Tower, is the spiky building that stands out on the Austin skyline. Facebook's leaving California. Why is that? Taxes? Law enforcement problems? Cost of living? All those kind of things. Who would have ever thought Facebook would leave California because Mark Zuckerberg and everybody there are so far left, they're in the tank, folks. They are in the tanks. And guess what else is happening in Austin? I thought this kind of fits hand in glove. Hundreds of convicted sex offenders are now no longer being monitored by sworn police officers in Austin because of the city's move to defund the police and cut police academy classes. In 2019, there were about 1,600 registered sex offenders in the city, according to the state's sex offender database. There's no law preventing any of them from living near schools or other places where kids go to congregate. According to one local news report, about 650 of those cases were handled by officers who checked in on those registered sex offenders every week to ensure they were where they reported themselves to be. But three of those officers were sent back to patrol as a result of the decision to defund the police, including slashing three cadet classes at the academy in August, two years ago. Defunding the police soared the department, forced the department to cut the Sex Offender Apprehension and Registration Unit. Not reduce it, folks. Eliminate it. Those cases once handled by sworn police officers are now being monitored by civilian employees, including two who only work part-time. The civilian monitors lack arrest authority. Some question whether they are able to keep up with the increased caseload. A spokesperson for the Austin Police Department confirmed that three police officers who were primarily tasked with monitoring sex offenders were assigned to patrol because of the budget cuts. The lack of cadet classes at Austin Police Department over the last couple of years has contributed to a massive officer staffing shortage. And so they have to find these cops that work these beats on the street. Where do they get them? Well, they steal them from some other division in the police department. So ah, sex offenders, it's no big deal. Our administration, the mayors there, people in the council are hard, hard leftists, and they want Austin to become Silicon Valley. So to do that, you got to dumb down the law enforcement. Think about that happening in the state of Texas and everything you know about Texas. Can you imagine living in Austin right now, being there for your entire life or having a business there and watching the degradation of your city over the last three or four years? And they're not trying to hide it, folks. They're not trying to hide anything. It's in your face. It's all in your face. Now, did you, um, did you hear about or did you hear the speeches that the president and the vice president made on January 6th? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the January 6th thing. We had Steve Baker on here. You're going to hear part of that interview again tomorrow if you missed it. Steve Baker's a photojournalist that was on the ground January 6th last year when the uh, Capitol was stormed and all of the uproar that we've heard from the left. And now we have the committee, Nancy Pelosi's committee in the House, that they're getting down to the details. They're able to do because they're members of the House to do more than. The FBI has done. The FBI's only arrested 700 plus people for breaking laws that day, but that's not good enough for Pelosi and her committee. Well, what was interesting, there are a lot of things that were interesting, but Vice President Harris, when she spoke, she compared the January 6th event to two events in American history Pearl Harbor and 9-11 listen to this this short audio for yourself
1: vice president harris in her remarks today compared january
2: 6th to pearl harbor and 9-11
4: certain dates echo throughout history including dates that instantly remind all who have lived through them where they were and what they were doing when our democracy came under assault dates that occupy not only a place on our calendars, but a place in our collective memory. December 7, 1941, September eleventh, two 2001, and January 6, 2021.
1: Can you elaborate on what the thinking was behind that comparison? She's faced some criticism,
2: especially in conservative circles for that.
4: Well, I would first say that, um, as the President also said in his remarks, uh, you know, when, if we look back to some very difficult moments in our history, back in 1861, there were no Confederate flags being being waved uh, in the Capitol. Uh, In very dark moments in our history, there were not, people storming our nation's capital, uh, trying to take over the office and even threaten the Speaker of the House. Um, So uh, instead of, for those who are being critics of the Vice President's remarks, I think instead of focusing on or analyzing comparisons of moments in history, I would suggest that they be a part of uh, solving the threats of democracy that occurs today, that is happening today. Uh, And they are using this as an excuse not to be a part of that. We cannot let our future be decided by those bent on silencing our voices and peddling lies and misinformation.
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's get right to the facts. You heard her compare what happened January 6th, which was a protest that went bad. Nothing was burned down. Uh... They say, and she says, of course, he related the comparison that people died at the Capitol. They died from these extremists, these MAGA people. Why don't we we look at the facts? October 24th, AOC, God bless her, she's at home with COVID. She referred to the Capitol riot on January 6th as a terrorist attack, which he said resulted in almost 10 dead. She called for any member of Congress who helped plot it to be expelled from Congress. Well, the claim of almost 10 dead from the January 6th riot is deceitful, and it's extreme. Four people did die that day. Every one of them, four people, were Trump supporters, and there's a reasoned doubt, a uh, debate about the number of people who died as a result of the Capitol riot. AOC is including law enforcement officials who responded to the Capitol that day and committed suicide in the days and months afterward. She's saying they're part of those that died that day. None of them have been officially designated as line-of-duty deaths, though there's some congressional support for that. Her tally doesn't include two rally participants who died of heart failure, including one who died before other protesters had breached the Capitol. It includes a rally-goer who was initially believed to have been trampled to death in the mayhem that day, but was later determined to have died of an overdose. AOC, Vice President Harris, Jen Psaki, the spokesperson there, oh my gosh, they were waving Confederate flags in 1861 in the Capitol. We're not seeing that now, folks. Do you know how many people died at Pearl Harbor? 2,403 died at Pearl Harbor at the hands of real terrorists, the Japanese who bombed Pearl Harbor that day and began our fight in the Pacific to keep this nation, this nation called World War II. And for her to make this comparison between January 6th And Psaki to perpetuate it and Joe Biden to perpetuate it is just, it's not even insanity, it's lunacy. And what about 9-11? 2,996 Americans died that day. And these people have the audacity. They're spitting on the graves of 6,000 Americans whose lives were taken by our enemies And they want to compare that to four people. There was only one person killed that day, January 6th, Ashley Babbitt. She was in the Capitol. She was unarmed. She was doing some things that she shouldn't do, but she wasn't hurting anybody. She hadn't threatened anybody. She wasn't threatened anybody when she died, folks. A Capitol City police officer came up from behind her on her left side, behind her, pulled his gun, committed the ultimate faux pas about shooting somebody. You never point a gun at somebody unless you intend to shoot them, and you only do it when you're endangered. Your personal life or those of somebody else. And he shot Ashley Babbitt in the back of her neck. She bled out, and the coroner in Washington, D.C. called that, Homicide. No charges filed. He walks free. But yet 6,000 people are killed, and January 6th is an equal to that? Real
3: truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network.
0: Enrique Santos for Taco Bell. The toasted
1: cheddar chalupa from Taco Bell is back, and I know what you're thinking, because I'm thinking the same thing. Did they really toast six-month-old aged cheddar right onto a delicious flaky chalupa shell again? Yes, they did. But now it's even tastier. It comes with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink, all in a $5 box. That's right. All that for just a little cheddar. But don't forget, it's back for a limited time. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa Box, only at Taco Bell. What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected, and even disinfected. Because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out turtlewax.com to learn more and be sure to buy now at turtlewax.com or anywhere you shop for car care.
0: Sometimes you just you just can't get this nasty stuff off of you. Sometimes when I when I do these shows literally, I feel like I'm dirty at the end of it when we talk about so many things that are front and center right in our faces every day with our government and stuff that they're doing and there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing we've done to deserve this kind of leadership that we're seeing and yeah, it's scary to me. It is scary to me that this is going on but we cannot personally choose to live a life in fear. We just can't do it. Now there are 700 people that are in a bad place today up in Minnesota, as Omicron surges among the vaccinated and unvaccinated alike, the prestigious Mayo Clinic has taken that extreme step of firing 700 unvaccinated employees. Even though the vaccines haven't been proven to stop the spread of Omicron, the targeting of unvaxed employees continues. Reports say the nonprofit's clinic staff has been given until today to get their first dose of a vaccine or obtain a medical or religious exemption of the rule. They were also expected not to wait before receiving a second shot. Hundreds of employees failed to meet those requirements and were let go. The medical center declined to provide vaccination rates at individual clinics, but said nearly 99% of all its locations had complied The clinic said approximately 1% of its staff, or about 700, would be released from employment. Down in Florida, the Florida Times-Union reports the unvaxxed employees who were fired at Mayo's Arizona and Minnesota locations make up about 1% of its total workforce of about 73,000. Let me ask you this. Joe Biden initiated this on his own. He did it himself. He did it alone, folks, and so far it has stood up, and these people, they've lost their job. I feel horrible for them, but let me tell you what I feel worse about. The American healthcare system, known for a long, long time of being the best system on the planet. You can't take these thousands of people out of that workforce and hope to have health care, hope to have fairness and real good treatment. Of patients. You're not going to have quality care, technology, research. It's all getting bashed because of these egregious Joe Biden, federal government, lockdown, vax mandates, the whole nine yards. Let me encourage you to do one thing. Pray. Pray. Make your voices heard. And I know many of you are already doing that. But pray. <laughs> God's got to step into this thing, folks. He's got to. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for being here every day. You have a wonderful Monday. Back tomorrow morning. If you miss Steve Baker's interview, you're going to hear some of it then. Have a great one, folks. Be well.